0: Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Welcome to the second in our preaching series entitled Good Grief, Facing Loss with Hope. And last week Pastor Malcolm Duncan introduced our series and today I want us to look at a very practical and pastoral subject, that of how we can comfort those who mourn. I'm going to say a little about the seriousness of death and loss and then look at three key ways in which the Lord uh, works and we can cooperate with the Lord to minister his comfort. Uh, The word of God, the spirit of God, and as the people of God. And then we'll have an opportunity at the end to just allow the Holy Spirit to continue his work amongst us this morning. And perhaps if you've come here today with something heavy on your heart, this is a safe place uh, where we can come to the Lord and where we can receive from him. You see, death is something to take very seriously indeed. At some point or other, these wonderful bodies that we have fearfully and wonderfully made will stop working. They will come to their end. Uh, We will die. But as Christians, we have a theology of death and dying that is gloriously good. Because my knowledge of God in Jesus tells me that God doesn't duck or hide from the reality of life's end. In Jesus, he faces death head-on on the cross of Calvary. He faces its pain. He goes through its final breath. And he comes through victorious and glorious into life eternal. I'm not afraid to die because I know I'm in Jesus and he's in me. As the vine and the branch through repentance and faith, I'm in Christ. And by his spirit, I'm filled with God. And I know that when I come to my final breath, I need not be afraid because my savior holds me in the palm of his hand and he'll lead me through and where I go with him, will be gloriously good. What a wonderful saviour. What a wonderful God we know. This theology of death and dying through Christ is gloriously good. But what's hard is for those left behind, isn't it? Grief is desperately painful. And I'd suggest even the hardest thing that we would face in life. But even here, we can know the goodness of God. I knew somebody once who, uh, his wife had recently died, and and he said to me it was like having a limb ripped off him. It was that intimate, that personal, that devastating. Because life, in contrast, is gloriously good. It's energized. It's a treasure to live each day as a gift from God, from conception to final breath. And so its absence is extremely costly and hard. I went to uh, pick up my dad for a routine hospital uh, appointment, and I pulled up to his door, and I tried to open the door, and it was locked. So I thought, oh, well, come on, Dad, you know, what, what's the matter? Why aren't you ready? So I go around the side, uh, and the back door, that's locked, and look through the kitchen window, everything seems okay. So I, I make my way, way back around the front of the house, and get through the bushes to the front window, and I look through, and, and there's my dad lying on the floor. So I get my key, and I open the door, and I go in, and he's there, and he's super smart, ready to go for the appointment, and he's still warm, but I get no response from I phone 999 and the chap on the end of the phone was superb just talking me through and suddenly I find myself in a really surreal kind of situation because I'm doing CPR and if you've been on one of those first aid courses you know you practice on the plastic dummy and suddenly as a child I'm doing this to my dad and there's things aren't right everything is the same but so much is suddenly changing And then the first responders come and and the ambulance and uh, Louise had come at this point. And I get in the car behind the ambulance and we're driving uh, down to the hospital. And it's as if I'm entering a vortex. Just everything is not quite right. And I I remember just crying out to God, Lord Jesus, I've got no idea what's happening here. I really need you to be sovereign. I really need you to be in charge. I don't even know quite what to pray, God, but I need you. And we get to the hospital, and, and they were lovely. You know, they were superb. And they take Dad in, and then five minutes later, the doctor comes out, and I say, sorry, Mr. Parfit, your father's died. And it's dreadful, isn't it? You know I, know, I know some of you here know exactly what I mean. In John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says this. And you command, I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. When we experience loss and grief, God wants us to do something about it. When we see others who go through mourning, God wants us to act and to comfort those who mourn. Will you cross over the road? Will you give yourself to permission yourself to be liberated from your diaries this week or your routines to be available to the Spirit's prompting? You see, there's probably a hundred or more people will come through this building today and countless hundreds more, maybe even a thousand people would be listening in our broadcast. And I pray that God would give each of us an opportunity this week to meet somebody who's mourning, who's struggling, Because Jesus wants you and I to make a difference, to bring hope, to overwhelm them with love, the love of God. And there are three ways I believe God has gifted us to do that. The word of God, the spirit of God, and as the people of God. It doesn't need any qualifications. We just need to be available and God will use us and we can be a blessing. Imagine the impact for the kingdom around this city this week. If we each had somebody that we could bless and encourage in Jesus' name, the kingdom would ripple out and there'd be no stopping it. In Jesus' name, a blessing to this city at this time of need. So three ways then. Firstly, uh, the word of God. And there are some scriptures I'm going to go through fairly quickly because many of us will know these words of God and words of God are powerful and words of God change things. You see, in the midst of grief... We need help. It's not something we we want to go through on our own. And these words from Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. If you've got a friend that needs help, encourage them to look to God. You see, human help is really useful and could be a blessing, but we don't have all that somebody needs. If you need help, then come to the Lord. In John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, we find here Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Here, Jesus is is setting out the truth that he brings a new pattern into human experience. Death is not the end. There is life beyond death. And it changes everything. We have hope. And when you're walking through that darkest shadow, you need hope. You need somebody to tell you this is not all there is because there's so much more with Jesus. In Psalm 23... We find these wonderful words from the psalmist. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As we go through grief, we we needn't be afraid. Yet grief can bring with it such fear of the unknown and the future. The rod and staff of God. I'm not very good at going on long distance walks, but I see hikers with these poles that help balance them. And when the ground gets a bit unstable, they can lean on it. Jesus is saying, lean on me. Let me stop you from falling. Let me hold you up when the weight is too great. In John 14, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. So much in the hardness of grief. We just need peace. Jesus says, I'll give you peace and I'll leave it with you. And we also need rest, don't we? Grieving can be so exhausting and so tiring. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Friends, as you come here today or are listening to this, Perhaps you're in a place where you're just carrying something really heavy. Jesus wants to take that, and he wants you to experience his rest. These are just a few uh, texts, and uh, perhaps as you meet in our midweek groups, our collectives, you you bring these texts, and and you too will have had words from God that have touched you through the years, that you can bring and share as we strengthen each other and disciple and journey together as God's household in our small groups. God's word is powerful, and it changes our lives. I just want to look in a little more detail very briefly at this text from John 14. Now, John 14 is in the second half of John's gospel. John's gospel pivots on chapter 12. The first 11 chapters there are little vignettes where we see Jesus doing miracles, being totally human. And yet from chapter 12 onwards, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to die. And if you've ever had anybody share that news with you, it's, it's heartbreaking. And then Jesus speaks to them and he says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am, and you know the way to the place where I am going. I so love the kindness of the Lord Jesus he addresses the issue of the troubled heart. Don't have a troubled heart, says Jesus. Believe me. Trust me. I'm going to do something extraordinary for you. It's lovely to wander through the building in these past couple of weeks, and out in the lounge, Jason and the team are preparing the activities for the children who are taking place at this very moment. And it's really attractive. It's laid out really well, and I must admit, I have to exercise self-control to not start to play with the craft. And it caused me to think of childhood games, and I don't know whether you ever had a a dressing-up box sort of a dressing up box and uh, and in the dressing up box we can we can discover how how we can actually um, put on things and dress up and be clothed with the goodness of God and also in childhood things I I remember when our children were younger and uh, and if you're not feeling very well and, and maybe you'd go into the room and And you dim the lights down, and you put a hot water bottle in the bed, make it comfy. And, uh, you know, tuck the child in and fill them full of cowpole or other sedatives that you've got in the house. (laughs) And you get their soft toy, and it's just really safe. And you sit there and maybe sing a little lullaby, and they just are safe and go to sleep. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. God's word is so precious. And in John 20 verses 31, John speaks about how the spirit has inspired him to write this word and why. And he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And by that believing, you may have life in his name. Not death in his name, but life in his name. The word of God is written to be a comfort and a hope for us. And I pray that this week God will give you a treasury of his word to speak and to bless to others. I'm rubbish with mobile devices. I have big thumbs and they have small screens. And if you've ever had a text from me, there's a typo in there somewhere. I guarantee it. But some of you are wonderful with your devices. Text God's word out to your friends and and people you work with. Share the word of God abroad because it will not return until it's accomplished that for which God has purposed it. The word of God is a task and a gift to us that God gives that we can comfort those who mourn. And secondly, then the spirit of God. In John 14, we find Jesus saying this, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now this promise of Jesus and the Father here, the the word advocate is often translated elsewhere as comforter or counsellor. It's a difficult word for direct translation into English. But the the meaning is clear. Jesus said, I'm going to send you somebody else just like me to be with you always. And the Spirit is more than just human kindness. He is the power and presence of God. And the best of Pentecostalism makes this experience that is ours Uh, So precious to us as a constant companion, a deeply consistent and familiar friend is the personal presence of God for us in our lives. And it's so important for us to make time to receive from God in person, in power, and in love. Now, it might be in a small midweek group, in the safety of, of, of the group leaders and the love that they have for you familiar faces and familiar stories where, where we can meet and abide and it's just, just in the peace of God in prayer where, where we're overwhelmed by the Spirit's touch of love. They may be here in, in the auditorium Um, and and I've often seen uh, folks, I think Pastor Dominic often come up on the stage, it's just hands held high and eyes shut, and it's just between him and Jesus that moment, there might be several hundred of us else here but that's not the key thing at that moment And, and many of us will do the same, won't we? We're just here with the Lord and it's at that moment of encounter that something profound is taking place, a divine exchange where we bring our burdens to the Lord and he gives us goodness in return. Jesus says, come to me, all whose work is hard and load is heavy. Come to me, lay those burdens down, and I will give you rest. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, saying in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and God will give you a peace that guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. There's this divine exchange that takes place in the presence of the Holy Spirit amongst us. We can bring our pain and receive his peace. We can bring our darkness and allow him to bathe us with light. We can bring our numbness and he resensitizes us to the beauty of each day. We can bring our death and loss and he gives us life and hope anew. And often in the Spirit's presence we find that tears will flow I think it's just a a physical expression of an inner work that God's doing. And you know what? That's okay. It's a safe place when we gather as God's household together. And it's a frequent time. Our God isn't mean. There's a generosity and a rightness that time after time, we need to come to the waters and we need to be refreshed and healed. This Holy Spirit is here. He's here with us this morning. And I pray that if you're carrying something heavy, you can bring it and lay it at the Savior's feet and receive the Spirit's touch. So the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and thirdly and finally as the people of God. We all know that parable of the Good Samaritan, don't we? Uh, The one who crossed over the road to help. I pray that you'll do that this week. You see, we're called to make a difference. And all around us at the moment, I'm absolutely convinced there are people who are experiencing loss and grief, and we can be a blessing in Jesus' name. Colossians 3, Paul gives some words to the household of God. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I talked about children's games earlier in the dressing up thing. You put the hat and the coat and the big floppy shoes, and you clump, clump around from the dressing up box, and it's great fun. God wants to clothe us with his love and kindness so that we can Extend that to others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says this also to the early church. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we have received. Comfort after comfort after comfort from God. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and for us as the people of God. Now, as God's household, just three little words, very briefly, about the attitude that we can bring. Uh, Sensitivity, the use of silence, and sympathy. Now, we need sensitivity, don't we, at times of loss? And it's important that we might put ourselves uh, in another person's shoes, to think about how they might be feeling or what they're going through. In the latter part of the 20th centuries, there were many theories articulated to help us understand the nature and uh, description of loss. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was one of uh, many, but perhaps the most popular, who started to put names to grieving. Anger, denial, perhaps depression. Words like pain or fatigue can also be appropriate. And as we understand What somebody else is going through, we can have greater care and confidence in how we speak. And the rule of thumb is that if it's loving and if it's kind, then say it. And if it's not, then keep stumm. And I think that's true for a large part of life, really, including our online life as well. Um, I know somebody uh, uh, whose brother died, and a friend said, Oh, your brother, he was a misery. And mean. Whenever we went out, he, he would never buy us a drink. He was mean as anything, and I just thought, oh, you know, there may be a grain of truth in that, uh, but it's best not to say it at that particular moment. And. Uh, I knew this chap, uh, an Irish chap, and we, we'd bump into each other occasionally. He was Northern Irish, and he was quite mischievous, and, and, and he would tell me at one point that he just having a bit of crack with me. Now, this had nothing to do with cocaine. It's just a Northern Irish word that talks about banter and sort of having a bit of fun with somebody and, and the, the fun of words. And I met him one day, and, and he says to me this this long uh, story about his mother and, and how she'd had such a terribly hard life. And, I, and I'm really quite concerned here, and I'm listening, and I'm trying to be as pastoral as I can. And then he says to me, and, you know, it was the drink that killed her. She shouldn't have stepped out in front of the lorry from the brewery. Now, at that point, I didn't quite know what to do with myself. I think I said something like, oh, dear. And, and he was just messing me about. I never quite know uh, the condition of his mum, honestly, there. But sometimes we, we can laugh and it's right to laugh through a veil of tears, as even humor can help us through the journey of grief. So be sensitive. And then silence. The measure of our love is not calculated in the quantity of our words. Often we just need to abide with somebody, even at two meters with a mask on, sitting in the park. The proximity of another human being is such a gift. And if you can bless somebody with those moments, then do so. And when you're sitting there in the silence, maybe you're praying quietly in your head and earthly words might just run out and we're praying in tongues and we're seeking God just to inhabit and bless those moments. But we called to not be afraid of silence, but to seek the moment that God presents just to abide with someone that they might receive from him. So sensitivity, silence, and thirdly, sympathy. Now this is, exists at the level of our feelings. One might say a godly motivation to get up and, and do something, to act and bless a friend in a very practical way. We all need to recognize that we would grieve differently, though there may be similar experiences. But would you seek to cross over the road and make a difference? Invite that person out for a coffee. Just keep in touch with them with text or a phone. And do that beyond the day of the funeral, just just into the days and months when the emptiness can sometimes feel much greater. Just keep in touch sensitivity, silence, and sympathy as the people of God. Space to receive from God Almighty through the Spirit and the Word of God to bring hope and light. With these, cooperating with the Lord God, we can face loss with hope and receive the goodness of God. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.